Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Christian Concerns Round the Table, uh, where we go live each Friday at 1pm and we talk about some of the important issues we're dealing with at Christian Concern and in our nation. I'm with Andrea Williams today, our Chief Executive. Uh, if we could bring her on screen, that'd be great. There she is. Hi. It's been a busy week this week. Uh, we've had lots of lots of important stories, particularly earlier in the week, um, where MPs voted to allow DIY abortions permanently. Um, and we've all, but we've also had some other things, particularly in the last 24 hours, um, as we've had some drama on uh, conversion therapy ban and uh, leak and all these sorts of things. We want to talk about that later. Um, and again, get uh, your thoughts, Andrea, and the thoughts of some other experts uh, on on what's been going on and, and all of that. So please, uh, if you're watching, get your comments in, your questions about that. You may have seen uh, seen that in the news. Uh, but before we get on to that, we ha have a special guest with us, who is Dr. David Makareth. If you can bring him on screen. Hello, Hello. David. Hi. So, Hi. So David is a Christian Legal Centre case or he's not a case himself but he has an important case uh, that we're supporting at the christian legal center um mm -hmm. relating to uh, a topic that's been in the news a lot lately uh, about what is a woman and about gender and the, the confusion that there is in that area at the moment david could you uh, remind people uh, why uh, why you have a case at all uh, what happened to you yeah well first of all i'm a bible believing christian uh, so um, I believe very much as Christians we are good citizens and that we should be able to both believe and practice what we believe. Four years ago I lost my job uh, as a, a disability assessor at the Department for Work and Pensions uh, because I, I was uh, told to use um, pronouns, uh, basically uh, if a man had come in and said, um, refer to me as she or Mrs, that I was to refer to them in that way without any question. And this was a real problem to my Christian conscience, being um, uh, firmly in the belief that God has made us male and female in his image, um, that I wasn't free to do that. So I said I couldn't do that. I lost my job. Three years ago, we had a tribunal. I was ably represented by the Christian Legal Center. We got an absolute hammering in the judgment, which said that uh, our beliefs, uh, my beliefs, uh, we're in conflict with transgender ideology essentially that's how i read it uh, and that therefore um, my beliefs weren't worthy of consideration in a democratic society so this uh, this week earlier this week monday and tuesday we were at the employment appeals tribunal in london where we had a one and a half day hearing before three judges to see if we could overturn that ruling to see if christianity is protected under the equalities act and whether i am free to believe that god has made us male and female in his image and whether i am entitled to live according to that belief. Andrea. Well, yeah, let me just say, I mean, I love the way that David Mackerath, who's of course has become a real friend of this ministry. He's bold, as he said at the very beginning, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, he said, but it's because he really loves the Lord Jesus. And you can see when you know him, when you're in a room with him for half a second, you will know it, you will feel it, you know that um, he's passionate about medicine, but he is mostly passionate about his Lord, his Saviour, Jesus Christ. That pervades everything in his life. Um, so I want to commend you for that, uh, David. Did, um, to, live, to watch someone for four years, to, 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 to watch someone face this, to be told in the first judgment, essentially, that you, David Macrath, your views are not worthy of respect in a democratic society, to, act, to, to, to be told that 
In this last trial, in the appeal court uh, on Monday and Tuesday of this week, to for um, those representing um, the the uh, the department to say that he is that his views that he is transphobic. He it was actually to let and and to, to try and minimise and reduce his views to say his views are very narrow within the Christian faith. Genesis 1.27 is a very narrow definition of what it means to be male and female. Well, I think there's somebody on this live stream, Paul, um, and in this nation who can answer what a woman is. And I think it's David Macra. I mean, I can have a go too, but I, I, I think that since we've got David Macra on, on screen today, David, can you can you say what, what a woman, what is a woman? I mean, that seems to be a very difficult question for people to answer right now in our Yes, society. I think it was Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, who didn't seem to know how to answer it. And there have been politicians in America in the past week who've not been able to answer the question either. What is a woman? Well, I have to be thankful to the uh, person who put the poster up in Liverpool, which said, using the Oxford English dictionary definition, a woman is an adult human female. Now, that, of course, raises the question, what is a female? In short, we just have to say a female is somebody who has XX chromosomes uh, and who, who's, uh, who, who, in the absolutely vast majority of situations, presents with female anatomy at birth. I have nothing more to say than that. And I think that the, and, and there's nothing discriminatory about that. That's biology. I mean, that well, is even, actually, even... This is what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. and for me, this is the most extraordinary thing about this case. We have yes. a doctor who's worked on the front line of on the front line mm -hmm. of emergency medicine for thirty years, uh, almost thirty. But this is this is this is the man that's on the screen right now. Front line of medicine for thirty years. He cares passionately about his patients. He's used to working in high octane type situations, mm -hmm. and he and he would treat everyone because he cares yeah. about everyone. That's why he's a doctor. He's a vocational doctor. Um, what he can't do is put on an assessment form something that isn't real about the biology. Why? Because it will affect how that person is looked after, what that person needs. It will affect that person medically. It, it's, it's real and it's kind and it's compassionate and it's true. And yes, I, I think Andrea. I think I think one of the things that came out in court was that um, was that I was some kind of uh, um, uh, malevolent doctor who was going around looking for people to harm. I think many Christian doctors uh, who um, serve their patients and do so with a Christian con conscience feel very strongly in their hearts that uh, that they, they do care about their patients. They are passionately concerned for their patients. So to be styled that way in court was pretty tough. I think as well, the other thing that came across there was by their own admission, um, uh, the Department of Work and Pensions was, would say, people in this situation, they are people who are um, identifying in the opposite sex, they present with more mental health issues than norm normal. They're a vulnerable group. I mean, this is actually how it was being uh, presented. And therefore, yes. to meet Dr. Makareff would make it even worse because he would he would he would um, 
put more pressure on them because he's like the rest of society that won't accept them for who they really are. And of course, and so this adds to their mental health fragility. And of course, what, what, what we would say, what I would say is, David Makareff cares passionately about the people. Yes. He cares passionately about their mental health. He wants yes. to get to the root of why uh, they're, they're, they are feeling gender dysphoric. Well, I think, Andrea, I mean, medicine medicine has to start with a foundation of truth. We talk about evidence-based medicine. We're told to follow the science. Uh, uh, and here we have to follow the science. I mean, even in, even in Parliament, I've heard recently, I think at least two MPs stand up and say in Parliament that a person cannot change sex. So, yes, we, can, we, 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 we are passionately concerned for our patients. We recognise the vulnerabilities of many of our patients and we really care but we do believe also that, that, that truth is our starting place for our uh, medical practice. Uh, and so, so the question here is, is if, um, as a Christian, I believe that uh, science shows us that we can't change sex. If, as a Christian, I believe that God has made us male and female, which means that we can't change from one to the other. What's our starting point? Our starting point has to be the truth. And the starting point has to be that the male, uh, being male or female, is something truly wonderful and remarkable and something created by God. And we should be free to say that in a free society. Andrea, I'd like to ha have your thoughts on this. Um, so people are struggling with answering the question, what is a woman? What does the what does UK law say is a woman? Uh, you know, what what by law are we are we saying uh, actually is a woman? Because we've got the Gender Recognition Act um, some time ago, which sort of muddied the definition a bit. So can well, you can you get your answer? I mean, there's a sense in which, you know, in terms of heart, I mean, these were things that didn't used to have to be defined because they were commonly understood is the first thing to say, and, and, and there are other things such as marriage. I mean, when I, in the 1980s, they didn't, they, it, I mean, marriage wasn't between one man, the union of one man and one woman, but it was so obvious, so as, or, so, I mean, it was there in statute, but it was so obvious, so as not to be need, so as not to be needed to be stated. So female was understood to, to be an adult human female. I mean, this, it, it, these, these are things that are just innate, you, you take, um, Judicial judicial notice is taken off, or legislative notice is taken off. So, the Gender Recognition Act, for the first time in English law, said that somebody could be recognised in law other than at their birth sex if they were over eighteen, had lived out in the opposite sex for two years. At that point, they could get a Gender Recognition Act, but that and that still remains the law. That's the law of two thousand and four. So, I think we've got to understand that it's policy and medicine that is uh, and culture that is saying you can change sex and um, and it's and these and I mean the truth is that in law changing birth certification birth certification and so on is something that can only be done with a gender recognition act but we're seeing now increasingly people forms where people are self-identifying so I'm um, I go to my doctor and I, male, female or other, or, you know, and so these things are now, that's not hard law, that's soft law. And what we see in life in this nation, what we've seen is that when you begin to undermine these fundamental truths in just the general culture of the day, 
then the hard law, the parliamentary law, will follow afterwards. And something I just want to say, interestingly this week, because after David Macrath's case on Monday and Tuesday, we then had DIY abortion on the Wednesday, which was all about a woman's right to choose, essentially. A woman's right to choose whether she had her baby or not. And Jess Phillips, the MP, and it's worth watching what her uh, speech in Parliament because it she would be entirely for um, opposing conversion therapy and so on and so forth, entirely pro-trans. Uh, so, so, so you can see the sort of what, what the hard left ideology is doing here. But in that, she was proudly standing there as a woman. It, it was my choice. It was my choice to have an abortion. I knew immediately that I wanted an abortion. I'd just given birth to my son. I didn't want another child then. I felt sick. I had to wait eight weeks. This should never happen. As a woman. And she was talking to her about herself as a woman and continually referring to women um, to be able to make this choice, essentially, to kill their babies. I mean, that's that's how cold and dark it that's how cold and dark it was in Parliament on Wednesday. So I think that we are seeing this culture that's really confused, um, that's dark, that can define a woman when they want to, and a woman's rights, uh, and that she should be, uh, she should be have this right uh, should have this right to take her baby whensoever she mm -hmm. wants. But on the other hand, wants to eradicate doctors like, literally eradicate doctors like Dave Macarath from the scene as dangerous. That's confusing. And it's, but it's confusing for light and for truth and life and light. And Things goodness. get a lot simpler if you stick to truth, in a sense, don't they? Yes. What a tangled mm -hmm. web we weave when first we something to deceive <laughs> if, I, if I falsely remember the quote uh, david um your so your case has been heard at the appeal yes. appeal tribunal that happened yes. uh, that ended yes. on tuesday and yeah. the judgment is reserved as i understand what can we pray for you as we wait for the result okay well first of all i just want to say i'm very very sad that um, that diy abortions have been uh, continued uh, that's uh, a terrible terrible thing and uh, yes, as regards my case, uh, the judgment has been reserved. So uh, also, I, I absolutely need to thank the Christian Legal Centre and Christian Concern for their uh, work on this. Um, done a huge amount of work behind the scenes and uh, without their help, this, this simply wouldn't be going ahead. So th thank you very, very much for what we're, what we're doing together with the desire of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as regards my case, the judgment is reserved. So the judges are still uh, deliberating. Um, they presumably have to meet together. We don't know when the ruling will come out. Um, it might take months. It may be sooner than that. Uh, and uh, I would encourage Christians not to think, oh, well, the case is over. Stop praying. Uh, we need to continue praying. We need to pray that the Lord would enable the judges to think clearly about the uh, issues here uh, and to make a righteous judgment. Um, and that righteous judgment, in my belief is that as Christians we are free both to believe and practice what we believe so we need to continue praying for the judges that a righteous ruling would come from this well Andrew would you be happy to, to pray briefly for David uh, as we say goodbye to him and maybe maybe pray for 
pray for those judges. Um, Father God, we thank you for David so very much. We um, pray your protection over him and we pray, Lord God, that uh, he would so know your peace at this time and also your purposes for him as you lead him uh, into all that you have for him in the future, Father God. Uh, we thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of standing with David and for serving him and for serving this great cause, which is to speak of your beauty and your truth and your creation and the wonder of being made male and female in your image. And Father God, this day, we pray for uh, Judge Edie. We pray, Lord God, that she would understand the uh, arguments that we made and that those uh, that deliberate alongside her, Lord God, that the tribunal of three there would come to a fair judgment that speaks truth, Lord God, and speaks freedom and speaks justice and speaks righteousness into this situation, Father God, so that those, uh, so that, those that love you may be able to continue to work freely within the medical profession but Lord God, more than that, that your justice and your beauty and your truth would be made known to the many, Father God, as we contend for your beauty and light in this culture. So we declare that we love you and we commit this matter to you, Father God. And in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us, David. Um, Thank you. We're going to lose you from the stream now because we have to bring two more yeah. people and some special guests. Um, so yeah. thanks for joining us. And uh, and let's say hello to Mike Davidson and to Matthew Gregg. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good um, afternoon. <laughs> afternoon. Technically afternoon. I think we're, we are by now. Um, so uh, really great to have you with us. We've had some interesting news over the last 24 hours relating to the government's plan to ban conversion therapy um, last night or evening. Um, the journalist and activist Paul Brand uh, shared on ITV News an exclusive uh, leak of some government uh, plans uh, so to supposedly ditch its plans to uh, legislate a conversion therapy ban. Uh, and then within uh, three hours or so, then we had a, a double U-turn from the government with um, with the plans back on in some form or other. So what I'd love to hear from you all, um, let's maybe start with Mike, um, is uh, what's your reaction to what's happened? Were you, were you following at the time? Uh, and, and what did you think? And uh, and what do you now think is is going on with all of this? Well, I suppose if it had been released today, I wouldn't have been surprised being April Fool's Day, but it was last night. So I immediately went into um, confusion uh, and thought, what's going on? Um, and gradually it dawned that really this was not what they were saying was happening. And then we got this very fast um, backtracking. It just felt like a complete mess. I, if I was losing confidence in terms of how the government is handling this politicization of sexuality, well, I really lost all confidence last night. It just beggars belief as far as I'm concerned. Now, before you continue, I realise I failed to properly introduce you and, and and what you actually what you actually know about this topic. Of course, uh, those of you who've followed um, this issue for some time will hopefully know Ma Mike and Matthew are involved with IFTCC, 
which is the International Federation for Therapeutic and Counselling Choice. Um, can you tell us about that and uh, and about how you've been involved in the conversion therapy debate so far? Well, the International Federation for Therapeutic and Counselling Choice was incorporated in 2017, but it's existed since 2015. We're coming up for the eighth annual conference in October of this year. We work in about between 22 and 25 different countries in terms of those who would associate with us. And we're simply about building a consensus and a professional context where people who do not support this gender ideology and this notion that uh, sexuality is, you know, doesn't really matter. And uh, we work to make sure that what we do in supporting those who want to leave homosexuality or gender confusion is ethical, uh, that it uses the best practice as understood by um, active psychologists, clinical psychologists, psychiatrists who do not support the ideology that we are seeing sweeping the Western world. So that's what we do in a nutshell. I'm the chairman, which means I, I guess I'm just the chief cook and bottle wash. And I just do my best to network, basically. I think you're a bit more than that, Mike, um, at least from my perspective, you're, you're a hero. Um, Matthew, um, how did you get involved in IFDCC? And, um, and what's your reaction to what's happened uh, in the last 24 hours? Sure. Um, yes, yeah, so I got involved uh, with the IFDCC and Mike uh, following the sharing of my testimony uh, on the Maltese version of X Factor. And I found out about XLGBT uh, ministries, uh, such as Corsius Trust, and it's been a very enriching experience. And to see a community of uh, professionals coming together to present what I believe is a very competent, strong biblical narrative on sexuality and gender, that to me was very uh, compelling. And so it's been an honor to get involved. Um, I, I noticed what happened last night and it felt like it was too good to be true. Um, we rejoiced um, for a while, but I kind of sensed in my spirit that we had to be uh, as wise as serpents, as the Lord Jesus says to us, and harmless as doves. And, you know, it's good to give it some time, let things unfold, because there is such a thing as a strong reaction coming from the opposers, um, as it was predicted, because it was written in the leaked document itself, that they were foreseeing a backlash from the LGBT um, activists. And it materialized, that happened. And so there, there we are, a, a double U-turn, as, as we called it. <laughs> there are so U-turns going on all over the place. Yeah, so Andrea, what was your, what was your reaction uh, as, as all of this unfolded? Well, I... Well, I think this business of the government U-turning um, is interesting. Am I still on, by the way? I feel like yes, I'm well. being lost. I'm slowing down on my screen. Slightly, but we can hear you. Uh, or rather, at okay. least we could hear you. Um, 
I think it's it's we're having right. a little bit of trouble hearing you at the moment. Um, um, quite clear across DIY and across this issue that the government ten down street. Okay, Andrew, I think we're I think we're losing you enough that we can't quite follow what you're saying at the moment. So. Um, maybe we can just have a look at that uh, in the background and see if we can get your computer to working a bit um, smoother. Um, so let's let's be clear what happened. So um, so after the initial uh, announcement or leak uh, about this uh, and about the idea that instead of pursuing this ban, uh, the government would focus on things like the Ukraine crisis and the cost of living crisis, which are are very real issues for for many people. Uh, they they would. You know, they, they the initial leak suggested that they were going to focus on those things rather than uh, what was seen to be as quite a, a niche issue. Um, and then fairly quickly afterwards, you had lots of MPs, particularly some conservative MPs and lots of prominent uh, campaigners who've been who are well known for supporting a conversion therapy ban, uh, being very vocal straight away. Um, and and then within a few hours, um, there seemed to be a, a backtrack from uh, right the way from number 10 with uh, Boris Johnson apparently um, backtracking on this issue. Uh, what has been said is that uh, in the Queen's speech, which will be coming up in May, um, then the government will bring forward uh, proposals to ban conversion therapy. Uh, but it's being said to be just about sexuality. So the gender aspect of uh, the conversion therapy ban appears to be uh, be being ditched uh, and instead just one focused on sexuality. The other thing that um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, seems to have said is that they'll make sure that it doesn't have any unintended consequences. Um, so what what's your reaction to that, Mike, in particular? And maybe Andrew is able to come back in now. Uh, it... it... <laughs> It's just discouraging that in this passion to supposedly protect vulnerable people, the government continues to refuse to speak to people like us who oppose the ban. You know, if they were genuinely concerned about taking care of people, then they would take time to understand why we are so opposed to bans being put in place because this is not the way to protect people. If you want to protect people, then you uh, make sure you regulate how professional practice takes place. But to just eliminate the, the dissenting point of view and to claim that all science supports their point of view is full of holes and will very easily be debunked. And so I think what is happening here is ultimately damaging to the country, to all of the countries we've ever had any connections and influence over, and to the rest of the world, because we are not being true to what we know to be true, that you know people have a right to go in the direction they want to. We are not trying to stop people from identifying as they want to, but this group of people are wanting to shut us down and silence us completely. 
And that cannot be right. You never win a battle by shutting people up. You win a battle by showing what the truth is and uh, coming together. And we're not being given that opportunity. Thanks, Mike. So, Andrea, um, you know, what would be wrong with a conversion therapy ban if it just just de dealt with, I'm, you know, I'm putting, putting the other side here, if it just dealt with harmful practices that are you know are causing people harm you know this is this is the narrative that, that is going out there we wanted to, to ban these harmful practices what what would you say to that you know, if if it's just dealing with that and if there are adequate well, safeguards... that... yes well first of all i know mike davidson i've known mike davidson for well over a decade maybe 15 years now um i've got to, i've known matthew Gre since we discovered him after the X Factor. What a fantastic discovery um, that, that uh, we uh, we have made in coming to, 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 to know him. It's just so wonderful to work with him. Not just do we have IFTCC, we have Core Issues Trust that day in, day out, is working with people that want to move away from unwanted same-sex attraction or from their confusion over their... Um, over what what their sex their their their, their sexual their their gender identity so you have so i've met the people that mike and his team work with i've been in a room where you've seen the best therapists from across the world who work with people who are gender dysphoric who work people who are unhappy in their in their, their sexual behaviors, actually. I've seen them and their hearts and what they do. And then I've met literally the tens and tens and hundreds of people who are, who are saying, I'm really pleased that I've been able to access this amazing therapy. And I am so much better as a result of this. I am free. So why am I silenced? These, this is real, um, it's got the best science, it's, it's got the best therapy, it's compassionate and it's kind. And the government wants to shut all of this down because of their very hard ideology that's coming against them. First of all, the kind of narrative that they all use around this is to say that we're being harmed. Well, you know, bad therapy is bad therapy is bad therapy. <laughs> The truth is, um, in every practice of therapy, somewhere along the line, you may encounter a bad therapist. Um, I'm not saying anyone I've ever met uh, in, in Mike's circle is a bad therapist. What I'm saying is there are already regulatory regimes to ensure that those things are, are watched over. Where, where, where any harm has ever been done um, in in, in any matter, in any sphere whatsoever, in any sphere, in any sphere, I'm not talking about this specific fear, sphere, then the criminal law would cover it. So all the things that they talk happen, in fact, are already covered by law. The idea that there's now got to be some sort of special protections and special consents, well, all, to do proper therapy, you already go through a proper process of consenting some therapy. So the truth is this, the kind of therapy, the talking therapy, 
that Mike and his team and the hundreds of therapists from across the globe offer is ethical, it's beautiful, it's life-giving, it's healing, and they've got the hundreds of testimonies to show it. It's just that nobody wants to hear it. And that's the Matthew, great sadness. Uh, Matthew, uh, why do you think that no one wants to hear the testimonies? Um, why, do, why do people not want to hear about this? And, you know, can you, can you share something of uh, your work with X Out Loud and, and some of these people you know, the kind of support uh, you're involved in? Yes, well, I think they don't really have the opportunity to hear the testimonies uh, properly because, of course, um, big tech and mainstream media are trying to shut it down as much as possible. And what was concerning before the double U-turn, like the first U-turn, uh, was that it was proposed that the government would use non-legislative measures to prevent what they call conversion therapy. But technically we are against both legis legislative measures and non-legislative measures because the conversion therapy as defined by the MOU is a term for therapy that assumes certain sexual orientations or gender identities are inferior to others and seeks to change or suppress them on that basis. So technically um, conversion therapy is about being against change allowing therapy. So why would you use non-legislative measures to prevent change allowing therapy? So although it sounded good for many uh, people, including Christians, I would say, um, we should be against uh, prevention of all change allowing therapy. Um, so that was concerning. And of course, as, as we stand now, the fact that the government would say it's okay for men and women to find something wrong with their gender identity, but it's not okay for men and women to find something wrong with their sexual orientation. We're seeing that this is really not about equality um, it, or rights. You know, it's about normalizing and securing actually homosexuality and transgenderism in our society, and of course the rise of statism. So. You know, our stories are very important. Um, they, they, they speak the narrative and give a practical experience of what it looks like to be fulfilled and happy with living a life away from unwanted homosexuality and transgenderism. Uh, so, yeah. That's yeah, it's worth noting that one of the main campaigners in the UK against uh, against conversion therapy or kind of uh, seeking to ban it is is very active within the Church of England. Uh, not only to speak about conversion therapy, uh, but to try to change the, the, the church's official teaching on on sexuality. So the two, the two things do very much seem to go hand in hand. Uh, Mike, I um, I heard someone making the case that talking therapy is essentially a different mode of teaching, but it's it's still a form of teaching uh, because you're you're trying to help people understand understand truth in a, in a more helpful way to them um so so would you consider would you consider therapy to talking therapy to, to be a form of teaching um and what, what do you think about how that you know if if talking therapy is banned in some way what does that mean about teaching well yes it certainly is teaching because there's always an educative role in terms of um therapeutic work I like what the Americans seem to be saying. They're showing that 
uh, therapeutic or professional talk is still something that should be pr protected as free speech. Um, I think, you know, we limit ourselves when we when we only talk of the therapeutic world, because, of course, there are many people who never formally enter into therapy, but they their lives change and they move away from homosexual practices and gender confusion when and as they continue their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. They grow in grace. They may never actually have a conversation with a psychologist or enter into any formal psychotherapy, but they simply walk in the light as he is in the light and they cleanse their lives and they have a goal in their lives. And the problem with all of this is that the, the activists are saying that any kind of therapeutic practice or any kind of um, any, any viewpoint, really, that would oppose homosexual practices is something that is intrinsically wrong. They go as far as to say that it is a form of torture. And the question I have is, where in the world has a single person been convicted in a court of law of conducting uh, torture in this context? It just, it just beggars belief again. Well, also oh. they accuse you of this, Mike. They accuse. I mean, they they and they, they they've shut down your bank accounts. You know, the Cautious Trust. They, they issue death threats. Does anyone care about you? Maybe even come against me because I'm associated with you and I'm proud to be associated with you. And 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 the kind of the, the kind of threats, the kind of intimidatory language, the pulling of the bank accounts, the continual investigation. Imagine, imagine those lead campaigns. Imagine a Paul Brand, the ITV journalist, or a Jane Ozan at the receiving end of some of these things. They, it will be all over. It will be blasted all over the internet. The prime minister will be talking about it. This is actually the truth. What the, I can again say to those that are watching this, that the kind of misrepresenting, the maligning, the, the, the actual suffering that Mike and Matthew and his team uh, undergo, the, the misrepresentation from those also that should be friends as well. I mean, all, all of this, it, it's hard, for me, it's quite hard to bear. It's grossly un, unjust. And, it, and when, when this is, you know, when what we believe in is not forced, of course, no forced change, because of course, what is the heart of the gospel as we approach Easter? The heart of the gospel is that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life uh, willingly for us, um, in order, you know, and to take away our brokenness, to wake, to take away all that was sinful and wrong with us, in order to restore him, to to restore us to the Father. Um, and you know that is, it's never something that's forced. It's some, it's when we surrender and say, "I can't do this alone. Please forgive me." And and in and this whole point here is that working with mike and with matthew and the team there's not a co there's there's just a they're, they're full of compassion and full of patience and pastoral love motivated by jesus christ he laid down his life for others and they lay down their lives daily for others 
might like they do they pour their lives into this they for the others and um and we see lives change and we've got them on this on the screen there's janine there's you know we've got peter benjamin hello janine hello pete benjamin we've got you know the lovely libby who was going down a, to become was lived out as a trans man is getting married part of our community is getting married in the summer we have fantastic uh stories there is no conversion there's life and there is freedom and so this narrative that's been imposed is grossly unfair but let me say as well last night paul brown broke this story must have been a leak from within 10 Downing Street. His husband, who's a guy called Joe Cudderford, has got a senior civil role, civil part, civil service role within government. You know, um, I reckon he's in 10 Downing Street quite a lot. Um, I think that's very interesting um, that that is there um, alongside a number of others in that in the in that whole campaigning world. You know, there is access, just like there was in DIY abortion, massive access from the chief executives of BPAS, Mary Stoke, straight into the heart of the Department of Health. What's clear here, here is, is that if your, if your husband is a civil servant close to the heart of government and you're part of a network of friends, then there's going to be a network of friends that are work that are straight in, straight into information. That's just, you know... You know, whatever, um, there's clearly networks upon networks that have access to power. This was a brilliantly constructed plan uh, to leak, to cause protest, to apply so much pressure on the Prime Minister and 10 Downing Street as to U-turn. I mean, it's a very sorry tale, actually that 10 Downing Street couldn't hold its nerve even overnight. But in the, in, it, it shows you where the fear that people are in because of this lobby. I mean, that's not freedom, is it? If we're all so in fear of a lobby, of the LGBT right. lobby, right. Um, that, that be, uh, we're so in fear of being, say, uh, Mike Davidson, you torture. Mike Davidson, you're cruel. Mike Davidson, you do conversion therapy. This is what it is. I mean, I want to tell the viewers, this is the face of conversion therapy in the United Kingdom. Mike Davidson, Matthew Gregg. I mean, th these are the kindest, most, yes, the, the kindest, <laughs> most compassionate people in the country. This is kind of crazy. I think it goes back, Andrea, in my opinion, to this uncritical acceptance that I'm afraid many Christians fell into when the sexual orientation regulations came on the scene. And that was really the platform as far as I'm concerned, because what it did was it, it brought orientation straight into the church, which we began then to assimilate, I think, to the point that very often now, um, this is standard language. And unfortunately with it comes the notion that orientation is fixed and that it can't change. And I think that's one of the principles that we have to fight against. We have to return to biblical language and, and to the limitations that the Bible puts on issues around this. That 
which doesn't include the fact that you can never change. It says the very opposite, because what we have now is churches teaching that you simply don't need uh, to change. Change has become a, a word that is almost anti-gospel. Um, all you need to live is in a celibate way. They, they use this word now, the, the, this concept of celibacy. And it creates a problem because I think in the Bible, celibacy for a long-term commitment is a gift from God. And it's always in the context of opposite sex relationships. Many people who call themselves celibate, I fear, have no desire for the opposite sex. So there becomes a conflation, in my view, of using this term to describe themselves in a positive way that has got nothing to do with the biblical concept of celibacy. So I, I feel we need to examine that very closely. There's only one thing you can do with sin and that is to abstain from it. Flee. flee. Yeah, even flee. Um, flee, flee temptation. You know, we, we pray. Uh, exactly. We'll down on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And and we and we say, lead us not into temptation. We we want to move away from the things that uh, that tempt us into into things that God. Uh, doesn't call us to uh, and as you say you know the concept of orientation is completely alien to the bible it's not you know the idea of having a group of people who are um, objectively and unchangeably attracted to their own sex um, that's what i'm trying to say paul and this notion of celibacy within the church unfortunately kind of consolidates this idea of orientation so all of a sudden there's no need to pursue change or transformation, all you need to do is live with your same-sex attraction. And that's why this strikes at the heart. This is this is why this is a gospel matter. And I'm getting to be one of those people that I said I would never be, which is that I was there in 2002 and 2003, and I was there uh, trying to warn what this was leading to and what it would mean. And um, I tried, you know, I tried and. And I mean, sadly, it's even worse than I could ever have imagined. I certainly didn't foresee the trans, the whole transgender issue that has come upon us. I mean, really, we are being compelled in this nation to say that a man is a woman, or a woman, and a woman is a man. And if not, we are transphobic, or it is hate speech, and we are being compelled to teach this to our children. So it's, and it, so this is this is. This is definitely the in in Habakkuk. I've been in the book of Habakkuk um, the last two or three weeks, um, and there it talks about the law being paralysed, and it's as if the law is paralysed, and justice stumbles. Um, but the good news is, folks. Mike always used the word. I've been around Mike for long enough to you know that he quite often says, "Folks, <laughs> don't you, Mike?" <laughs> The good news is, uh, folks, that uh, the Easter message is all about transformation and change. The, 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 the Easter message, the knowing Jesus Christ, leaves none of us. He meets us exactly where we are, exactly where we are. Whatever is going on, no matter how dark it may seem or how okay it may seem, he meets us where we are. And then the Easter message 
through the power of that cross and the resurrection of Jesus is that we are entire, entirely changed and transformed by him through the blood of the lamb, through the cross. And from that moment, we live in the light of that reality. And there's power, there's power in the, that same power that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead is the power that now lives in us. And if we don't believe that that can overcome same-sex attraction, if that's what we are choosing in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we don't believe that that can come, overcome gender dysphoria, uh, because we're choosing to say, sorry for my sin, I choose you, Jesus Christ, then we have a very small view of the gospel. That's right. We have a very small view of the gospel. Well, more than that, I think we're functional atheists. We just yeah. don't believe God is working in the world, or at least he doesn't care about the world. He's not working in us. I, th I think it's important to bear in mind also that, you know, you, you can read about this strategy in the book After the Ball, how um, homosexuality became accepted in the USA. So you can you can read it. I, I was at the United Nations in Geneva when Samuel Brinton stood in a committee that was about torture and they were discussing Guantanamo Bay and all of those issues at the time. And he stood up with his Mohican between his two lesbian um, lawyers from the National um, Center, forget the name of them. And that's when torture entered into the, into the discourse in a formal way. Nobody can challenge it. There was no debate, but he was given uh, a good 10 minutes to tell his story about how he was abused by a conversion therapy, a therapist, only after the event, not to be able to recall, be able to recall the name of this therapist or state where it took place. But from that point on, torture entered into the discourse and is being bandied about today. So these things have have a life they have a an origin and they progress through cultures and that's what we are seeing now orientation is one um same-sex attraction is another uh, word homophobia um all of these words the word gay all of them have a functional role in terms of uh, how we conceptualize uh, all of this and how the gospel narrative and, and, and template that God designed is being challenged. And therefore, I think it really is important for theologians and people who have those skills, those who know how to exegete the scriptures, that they are increasingly careful to make sure we, we, we remain faithful scripture there's so much more to go into on that um and i'm sure we've all said said things that could um could be unpacked a, in a lot more detail but sadly we're out of time um, mike and matthew can you share maybe matthew share share with us where people can find out more um from iftcc uh hear more of the stories and maybe uh, about the science uh, that backs up what you're uh, saying Yes, certainly. So um, everyone can visit iftcc.org. Uh, we've just uh, published a very important international declaration, actually, on uh, con con so-called conversion therapy and therapeutic choice, which everyone is uh, free to read. Uh, there's the summary and there's the full review document. 
um, and can be signed by professionals and people of various backgrounds and you can share it with your friends and family so we do encourage you to check it out thank you so you much also, Go on, you can also come to the conference uh, in Hungary in it's October. amazing it is amazing uh, if you'd like to come please let us know uh, we just need to know who you are and <laughs> you have to be recommended by somebody who we know because it's by invitation only but uh, friends it would be great to see new faces uh, and it's a great time thank you so much for having us Paul and I want to say, Paul, um, as I thank God for you, Paul, um, who works so hard on our communications team at Christian Concern. Uh, great to have you with, uh, hosting because you're quite often behind the scenes with Tim. Uh, Tim's quite, uh, so it's great to have you with us um, chairing today this discussion, Paul. But Matthew and Mike, thank you. Um, thank you for everything that you do day in, day out with your team. Thank you for the stories, the good news stories, the beautiful stories, the life transforming testimonies that we know about because you're part of them. Um, we thank God for you. And, um, and you know, the good news is that, um, you know, the light can't be driven out. Here we stand, you know, here we stand and we will keep on speaking and we will keep on seeing transformations and we will keep on doing and no law, no law will stop us. No law will stop us. This is the point. No law will stop us. We um, are pressing um, on. And one of the reasons for that is that uh, that there is someone who is ruling over all things. That's His it. name is Jesus Christ. And he is yeah. the ruler of kings. That's it. Um, we have this book wow. coming from uh, Wilberforce Public. Mine is on the way. Matthew's got one on, on the way. Yeah, it's available now, but there's going to be a book launch uh, that we're going to be hosting on this channel on Facebook and on YouTube. That's going to be on the 11th of April um, at 8 p.m. Some people in America have already got copies of it as well. I was on a Facebook group the other day and um, and someone on there out of nowhere was talking very positively about the foreword, which is by one Andrea Williams who's <laughs> with me at the moment. Uh, lots of likes for for that forward as well. So that's a really important book uh, that's going to help you navigate some of these issues, not particularly the sexuality issue, but how we understand uh, Christ as Lord over all things, uh, including our governments. So I'd really recommend you come along to that. Um, that's on the 11th of April, Monday, 11th of April at 8 p.m. So um, so look up look up that set a reminder on YouTube. Um, and join us then if you would. Uh, so until next week, uh, goodbye. Thank you for joining us. Bye.